We're going to spend the first part of the shear, not in the parsha, but a review of Hanukkah that just left us and some of the things we're supposed to learn from it, especially since I didn't see anybody here last week. I wasn't here myself, so uh, we're going to try to catch up, but the truth is it's too important to leave, and we're supposed to be thinking about it suddenly bridge the gap from Hanukkah to Perm, and hopefully for the rest of the year. The kasha I'm about to say over, which once you hear it, is going to sound interesting. Rav Kok, the chief rabbi of Chobot, usually comes to the shul every year. This year he was a little bit under the weather, so his son came and he said over interesting question from his father which I wanted to repeat because it has everything to do with Hanukkah and the Halal we just finished saying for eight days and the question is as follows the Minigaylum if you have a request from somebody, you're asking somebody for a favor so the Minig is that say you need a $10,000 loan over the guy and you ask him and he says uh, no problem Baruch Hashem I have the money so I'll give you a check on the spot so you thank him profusely and you express your Akara Satoiv and the minig I think is that at such point in time when we're expressing our Akara Satoiv for a favor we don't in the same paragraph or even in the same visit turn around and say, thank you so much for the 10 grand, do you have another 15? Would you agree that's the minig is we don't, first we say thank you, have a nice evening, and maybe a different day we come back, even if you really needed 25 in the first place. And rightfully so. There's a time to say thank you, and if you need something else, that's fine. So under separate coverers, we would say. Based on that assumption, unlike Shemona Esrei, which is made up of three parts, Sheva, Bakosh, and Hodoya, Halel, you would think, is really Miyuchid, Halva, Hodoya. Hanukkah, the other Yom Tevim, is time to say Halel. Halel is Miyuchid for Halel and Hodoya, praise and saying thanks. And indeed, the first 90% of Halel does just that. Paragraph after paragraph, capital after capital, has all put together that we should express in the words of David the various forms of Hodoya. Of course, Hadil Hashem Kitoy, which we say responsively. And as we're coming to the end of Hallel, all of a sudden we shift gears, so to speak. Ana Hashem Ashiana, Ana Hashem Asifana. It's out of place. There's a time for that. We do a lot of that in davening. But why in the middle of hollow? In case you think that, well, maybe we're imagining things. If you look at Nishmas, which is more of the same. Nishmas is all about Hodaya. We just said it this morning. And it's so much about 
saying thank you, we describe how we can never say thank you, and if we had all the paper in the world and all the ink and all the skies and all the rivers, it wouldn't be enough. Like the classic thank you. And again, we go saying thank you in various ways, and toward the end, all of a sudden, as we're almost getting to the peak of the thank yous, so far, so good. And all of a sudden, that's a request. Thank you for the $10,000. Can we have an open line of credit? I thought it was a very interesting question, especially for people who have been saying Hala Nishmas for many, many years. We never get a chance to step back and study the the construct of how Chazal put this together and everything has a reason and a deep one. So he offered the following mushal. He said, let's say you had Rahmanul Islam. Ruvain was hanging out of a fourth floor merpeset that's a balcony. And between him, if you look down, is concrete. And he's hanging from a rope, which Baruch Hashem, his good friend Shimon, is holding on on the fifth floor. So you picture the scenario? So Shimon's there, and he's trying to hold on, and Ruven is dangling from the rope. <coughs> And he looks up at Shimon and he says, I want to thank you so much for everything you're doing, like saving my life. It's really nice of you, and I, I can't really express my appreciation. It's like to no end. And thank you so much, but, you know, you can let go now. Because doesn't want to request in the same sentence, please continue to hold on for the foreseeable future until the fire department gets here with their trampoline or something like that. So would we think that's out of place? He just said thank you very nicely, and then he puts in a request, please hold on. Would we think that's strange? The answer is no, we don't think that's strange. Matter of fact, we'd think it very strange if he didn't say that. If it just says thank you, and then he says you're welcome, and let's go, it's not going to be such a pleasant end to the story. That's the marshal. What's the nimshal? Nimshal here is very powerful. This is a big yisoy, which Chazal bit into Hallel, and Nishmas, and therefore Hanukkah, and Shabbos, and whenever we say this. And that is, if you ask somebody for $10,000, and you say thank you, it's not appropriate to turn around and say, can I have another fifteen, At least in the same conversation. But what we have to realize is our dependence on Akash Baruch Hu is so complete and so constant that we have to daven like that to focus on the realization and never forget that it's not the pshat that once in a while we need to ask Hashem for a favor but Baruch Hashem Panas says good I don't need to ask Hashem I closed three deals myself the old bad Jewish joke about the guy looking for a parking space in Brooklyn mm-hmm. you ever had the experience I'm from Brooklyn and he was davening for a space and davening and davening up for a couple of hours and as he's davening a guy pulls out he's like, it's okay Hashem I found one yeah. So we, that's a bad joke. 
but that's all the all the good bad jokes, <laughs> the old bad jokes. <laughs> it's an oxymoron. Uh, have a lot of deep hashkafic content to it, and we like to feel that we say even bezus Hashem, shmuz b'fneiasma. Bezus Hashem sounds like we can really do it. We need a little help from Hashem. We really can't do anything, and we're totally dependent on Kodesh Baruch Hu. Hashem helps those that help themselves. They have to do some shtadlis, but the danger of the shtadlis, and that's why shtadlis is here, to give us the Nisayan, that as soon as you start doing it and you succeed a little bit, you think you're doing something, which is dangerous. Dangerous in the workplace, dangerous in Shaduchim, dangerous anywhere. So, yes, for a human being, if he does you a favor, you say thank you and you walk away. You don't ask for something else right away. You thank Hashem and you express so that you can internalize that I'm totally dependent in the next minute, in the next hour, the next day also, and therefore I have to, within the, the thank you, all of a sudden scream out, because otherwise I can start thinking that, hey, I'm pretty good, and once in a while I need Hashem's help, but most of the time I'm pretty good on my own. Which is, I said this over in the shul today, a guy came over to me, he said, such an interesting idea. He says, you know, I talk a daven, Every once in a while, I put in, there's a special thing in Shema Kaleinu, I put in for Panasa. But I only put that in when we have a dry season. Because during the busy seasons, I know how to make a sale. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you got it. You, you listened well. That's exactly the point of the drusha. <laughs> so it hit home. It hits home for all of us because everybody thinks like that, whether we like it or not. So in the middle of the hollow, in the middle of the Nishmas, we scream out, Al Yechenu, Ana Hashem And the Chashmanaim were very good. And if you fight like a lion, which they did, tremendous bravery, and you win a few battles, you can start thinking, okay, thank you very much, Hashem. I'll take over the next one. We'll take over from here. Chashmanaim didn't do that because they were big tzaddikim and they understood this hand-to-hand combat and they lost many battles. Lost to me, that wasn't a total defeat, but they lost people, they lost men. It was a three year process just to clear out Yushalayim and a 25 year process to secure Israel. So you can't rest in your laurels and you can't think it's you because obviously not you, it's painfully slow, but Hashem is helping you step by step. And the fact that sometimes it goes quicker isn't due to our great genius. The good news is another interesting diak in Tefillah. Which Mephorshim bring down. I always advise people, we've been davening for a long time. If you grew up davening, heard some Chanchem, Taina, it's not going to work, so don't introduce it. But Taina, they should really start teaching Tefillah when the boys and girls are around 15, 16 years old. Because the downside is you start learning how to daven, and then you get used to it, and then you have to catch up. There's no other way to do it. Don't, I'm not looking to change the system. But concurrent in the program, and certainly if you miss that part uh, as an adult, I advise we have, if you're not comfortable in Lashon HaKadosh, have art scrolls with English over here and over here and above the word and below the word. And so you have every combination you possibly want. So people say, I can't take the whole Shema. I say, take a paragraph or two, a bracha or two, every week, and focus on it. After 18 weeks, you'll have Shema Nesed, it'll be a different davening, because you'll actually see the words. You tried this? Okay, there you are. I knew that. Yes, okay. Just a segue. 
it needs constant reinforcement because even if you do this now, in five years from now, you'll forget. Uh, I always advise people as well to put stickies when we switch to St. Brochen, St. Talmutter. And somebody complained to me recently, he has 42 stickies in his thing. I said, you're supposed to take them out. <laughs> so, so you don't, you know, you start highlighting everything, you've got to start unhighlighting the things you want to focus on. Okay, so you have to know your system, that's why you can get a pack of highlighters in pink, blue, purple, and various things, and do whatever works. But you got to do something, you can't just continue going and not focusing on what you're reading. So, in that light, you look at the Brocha al tzadikim. Now, al tzadikim has a difficult position, as does Lamalshinim, Hashivenu, and Tukabashefer. Because we're very excited when we started, and everybody knows if you don't get the first Brocha, it's like Sora Ma'akev, and it's like you didn't daven almost. Everybody knows Maidim is a close second, and Sim Shalom, you almost finished. Everybody gets into that, and Shalom is great. And the first few Brochas, Lachlanu, you got to really get into that because you need a Mechila. And then Rafainu, Lailainu, Panasa, Barech Aleinu. So this is the easy part. And then you get to Mulush Manasseh, you're kind of wondering, okay, Hashiva, Shartena, Gurishana, well, I'm out of dying anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, if you're not a dying, you should dive for it more. We need, uh, we need Kayach, the base is doing the best they can, but they don't have a police arm. So all these brachas are very important for Klai Yisrael and Malshinim. We live in a comfortable Medina, it should stay that way. And uh, discussing today in Shia, the debate whether we should be lighting outside or inside, it is dangerous, not dangerous, it might be dangerous. I noticed the uh, irony, unfortunately, is all the places where we have 25-foot menorahs, 16 feet wide, they're always vandalized and they're always smashing them and breaking them. So obviously even though Baruch Hashem is not Europe, but I think you shouldn't do it. Certainly something to discuss in the debate of whether the menorah should be outside and inside. So Malshinim is about getting rid of the enemies within, without. Allah tzaddikim Allah chasidim. So we dive in that people, tzaddikim, chasidim, zikna amcha beis Yisrael, and us. We should have rachamim, siyat deshmaya, the bracha ends, bracha Hashem, mish'on u'miftach latzadikin. Miftach, we know what it means. It means you are the bitachon, the focus of people who are working on the bitachon to be able to get through the trials and tribulations of life. What does mish'on mean? So mish'on means something you lean on. So I saw one of my first point out something very fascinating, which is perfectly in line with what we're discussing. Bitachen often is long-term. Instant gratification that is a problem, you dive in, and then five minutes later it's fixed up. Hashem has a timeline. We don't know what that timeline is. It's part of the Nisayin of life. And often we don't know why the answer is no. It's clearly it's not good for us, but we don't always understand that. So Bitachen might be a long-term thing that has to be worked on because certain quote-unquote problems are not solved because they're not supposed to be, because they're not really problems. We just don't realize that. So having bitachon to get through a situation might be bitachon for a day, a week, a month, a year, 10 years, 120 years. What is mission? So mission is the fact that in order to get us through these nisyanis, especially if they're longer term, Kashbarchu and his rachamim, and we should be zeichet to this and ask for this, Hashem sends us a smile, sends us a uh, little simon of chizuk, you just got to see it in life. 
to give you the wherewithal to be able to get through it. A reminder, because Baruch Hu is still with you. A most recent example, Yosef is taken down, kidnapped by his brothers, thrown in a bar, almost killed, and then sold to some Arab Bedouins who happened to be driving by. Can't get worse than that. Of course, we're now in Vayigash Vayichi, where Yosef keeps telling them it was all Hashem Yetzadavar, in which he understood the whole time, which is why he got through it. But certainly the most challenging point in his life. We all know Rashi says something very strange was going on because in the olden days, Arabs always carried and transported oil and petroleum. Nothing much has changed, I guess. Um, $60 a barrel, $70, whatever, but it's the same stuff, and they were always carrying it around. And the stuff reached. You ever um, stayed too long at a gas station? And this day... When they came by to take Yosef down, they were carrying sweet-smelling kateris. So we read the Rashi, we say, wow, that's amazing. Yosef had a nice-smelling ride down to Mitzrayim. Then if you think about it for another moment, you say that's akin to going down in a boxcar to Auschwitz with some nice kateris burning in the background. What difference does it make? He's being kidnapped and sold. How does that help matters? The answer is in the practicality of the fact that he was sold, ripped away from his family, and now in a foreign environment, the practicality of getting him out short-term doesn't help. The reason it was put there was an ace. They were carrying something they never carry. So Yasef should notice, that's odd. Arabs always carry oil, gasoline, petroleum, and now they have this thing in the back here with the sticks sticking out of those things that draw up the... And, uh, Sitting here and everything smells good, even though it's the most miserable situation you can ever imagine. Why? The answer is a Baruch who's sending you a message. I'm watching and I'm still here. You just got to see it in life. Yesev noticed it, which is why Rashi tells us about it. And there's always a silver lining. You just got to find it. And that is why a Baruch who had the nair burned for eight days. All the Mepharshim say it was not necessary. Tumahutra b'tzibur. The whole nase wasn't necessary. Hashem doesn't usually make unnecessary nisim. Akash Baruch did it because they were fighting a battle, which we spoke about two weeks ago. A battle they didn't have to fight al pidin because there's no chiyah b'shas hashmat to take the battle to the enemy. You just have to know when you have to get killed for not violating our There's no chiyah to go into battle. So they go into battle that makes no sense on paper, where the odds are heavily stacked in the wrong direction. They did it anyway, which was a chiddush. I'm sure there were those who disagreed. They said, what are you doing? It doesn't make any sense. You have to know in each context, the Biryanim, who were the exact polar opposite of the Chashmanim in terms of their lack of tzitkus, fought the same futile battle against the Romans. But there they were wrong. Because it was time for the Chorban, and Biyachimazaki told them so. Here they were right, but you could imagine there was a lot of debate about the issue. And then they start fighting and fighting, and they're not getting anywhere fast, as we just mentioned. It takes three years just to secure Yushalayim. And the fact that this oil burned was the very beginning of their activities. They just got enough territory, like the Pesach to move in and start cleaning up. And Akash Baruch Hu sends them a message. It's going to be an uphill battle. Keep doing it. You're on the right track. It was a divine smile. But you've got to look for it, and you've got to see it. There is more obvious. It burned for eight days. So there was Echelakach. But we have it also, and everybody can look back in their own life and see something they missed that could have been a hint that it's not so bad. But you've got to see it, and you've got to thank Hashem for it.
the guy who's dangling from the rope is a very strong muscle, and most people hear this and they say, well, um, that's quite a madrega. Mishan means that Hashem gives the tzaddikim the simon that things will be okay, even though the bitachon is going to have to be used a lot longer. So some people get very bent out of shape. I don't want to hang from a rope. Uh, anybody who says that is probably um, either a teenager or young at heart. What I mean by that is, is that if you're old enough to understand that we're here to work and it's not always going to be easy, it's going to be challenging, and no pain, no gain is for our own good. We're not looking for pain. We dive in to get out of it, and that's fine. But it's a sign of youth when you think, hey, there's something wrong. Why wasn't my entire week and month smooth sailing without any hitch? And when you get a little more mature, you understand that uh, it's not so posh it, and Hashem is testing our various midus and areas of bitachon and avodas Hashem so that we can perform and get more schar. And the reaction over here is obviously work on the bitachon, but also work on looking for the siyamonim of all the brachas you have in your life to be able to use that as a chizik that you will survive, and more than survive, you'll prosper. I think that's the first yesoid which is uh, well-documented, certainly, in the Hanukkah story. Piece number two. I saved this. I was figuring which order to do this in, and if anybody walks in late, everybody was pretty on time. We actually started uh, another minute early, 9.06. So anyone, anybody get lost? Whenever you mention the word math, people start shutting down or getting this glazy-eyed look. Um, some people love it. This is not complicated. I'm telling you that before we start. You know, I think, why are we talking about math? Just follow me on this, because it's um, almost as breathtaking as the physics we talked about at the beginning of the season. And if you're still not following that, go listen again. That wasn't too difficult either. There's an interesting thing in math. When you first hear about it, you wonder why in the world would anybody waste their time finding such a thing? Forget finding. Why would anybody in right mind look for such a thing? It's a good kasha. They're called amicable numbers. Amicable numbers, as the name suggests, so if I don't have to know math, you just have to know English. Uh, amicable means friendly. Okay, friendly numbers. Rather, friendly numbers are different than math. It's a different category, but they're somewhat similar, similar to amicable numbers. Amicable numbers are as follows. If you have... Again, you're going to wonder why I'm saying this, why anybody would even think of having a half a mean of a half a mean of even looking for something like this. It's a needle in a haystack. Amicable numbers, a friend of mine sent me this, this leading into a Dvaratera, which is leading into something very crucial for Hanukkah. So just uh, follow me. Not that complicated. Amicable numbers, amicable pairs, are two numbers. We'll start off with the lowest set of amicable pairs. It's not too low. 220 and 284. They get exponentially higher into the thousands and before computers, the Greeks claimed, and that's going to be obviously we're going to discuss soon, that they discovered the first pair. And then every few hundred years they discovered a few more. Now with computers they have millions of them because they're to the 10th power, the 20th power. It goes to Google and it, uh, not Google as in Google as in uh, <laughs> goes to, uh, the numbers are, uh, you can find whatever you want now, 
the original ones were very hard to find because, uh, again, we have to answer the question, which we will, who in their right mind would waste time looking for something like this, and what would you even think of looking for something like this? But let's just discuss the lowest one, 220 and 284. Uh, 220, if you take the factors of 220, that means any number that's divisible evenly into it. Take the factors, write them out on a paper. Not too difficult. One, two, four. Just take them all, write them all out. After you write them all out, add them all up. If you add them all up, you'll come up with a grand total of the number 284, which so far is the alkane ma. Like, who cares? Okay? So the factors added up of 220 or 284. The bizarre thing is if you take the number 284 and take all the factors of 284 and then add them up, it equals 220. Hence, the name amicable pair. Are all the uh, teachers here following this? <laughs> I don't know if you're responsible for the math department, but... Uh... Okay, so I, I, as soon as you look this up, I'm wondering, again, who in their right mind do you have to be? Who would look for something like this? Let alone find it without computers. you got to like just start from 1, 2, 3, 4, I'd start doing this on paper. The next one, I have it all written down here, is 1184 and 1210. That's quite a jump. That means all the people looking at all the numbers in between had to spend a lot of time going through until they hit something else. I, it, this is such a incredible you said. I was reading this, I read my sentence at 1 o'clock in the morning a few weeks ago. It was breathtaking. I couldn't go to... It gave me a new understanding into many things, some of which we'll share tonight. It sounds like Kabbalah, some of which is, but it's called Kabbalah light. It gives you a new appreciation into real gamachia. Not everything you think of for your Sheva Baruch speech is a gamachia. Just wanna, I hate to, hate to burst your bubble, okay? Somebody told me that, yeah, they have a program now. You're punching your name. It's Gavaldic. It gives me... Every time I speak, it's uh, Mamish makes me a whiz. That doesn't mean... It's a, Gematria is uh, purpose the chachma. That means it's chachma, but I didn't fully understand. Purpose chachma doesn't only mean it's like a cute thing. There's a lot of depth and a lot of Kabbalah and some uh, hidden powers in these things, which Akash Baruch put into the Bria, which I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll, we'll get to soon. So we have uh, our first amicable pair, 220-284. They really get along very well together because the fact is that 220 equals 284 and vice versa. Again, I haven't yet addressed why somebody would even look for these things. The Greeks claim that they were the ones that discovered this. As a matter of fact, um, Pythagoras, that might sound familiar, as in Pythagorean theory, triangle, A squared, C, B squared equals C squared, yeah, basic uh, stuff. He was a chacham, he was a Greek philosopher. Obviously, you know we're inching toward Hanukkah. Hanukkah is all about Greek philosophy. He lived later, but he was a Greek philosopher and uh, one of the more famous ones. Pythagoras made the claim that he discovered amicable pairs. For somebody who's a quarter intelligent, that's almost impossible to believe because if he was a philosopher, I assume philosophers were busy philosophizing something normal. And no one, again, would waste their time looking for such a thing because after you get the 220-284, you say, that's cute, and then you move on. Like, so what? What's the significance? His chachma with the triangle, which he didn't discover either, and he also took credit for. That's chachma. You need that for gemaras, which we'll get to as well. But like this, like my kulehai. So now that I got you all curious, the Chidah's grandfather quotes Rav Nachshon Goyin. Nachshon Goyin. This is a Dvar Torah from the Goyinim. Not a Rishon, not a Nachman, from the Goyinim. Nachshon Goyin. Nachshon Gain in Parshas Vayishlach 
says, we all know Rashi says, Yaakovinu prepared for three things. He did Ishtadlis and got ready for war. And that was the last option. And he davened and he sent a bribe. And if um, davening you got to do anyway, that's the main thing, and bitachan, and then you got to do your shtadlis, and he sent a bribe. <coughs> we look at the numbers of the bribe, and uh, most of us city dwellers tune out, because they start talking about animals. Most of us don't know what these animals are in English, let alone the numbers. And it describes numbers. Izim, Asayim, Siyashim, Esrim. So already you're uh, curious. How many we got here so far? 220. You wouldn't think anything of that without my Agdama. Uh, but uh, we're getting somewhere with this. I just, you just have to follow. Um, and then um, the next pair also, Rachelim Asayim, Ve'elim Esrim, again 220. And so some other numbers here as well. So, Anashan Gain writes as a Dara Pashut. Koti was Lushan. He says, uh, we have interesting numbers here, and then it's also interesting he points out that Yaakovina told them very clearly, put a space between them. Put a gap between these numbers, because there are other numbers that are different than this 220. Make sure you put a gap. So Rashi explains, Pashup tries to put a gap to show it's a big presence, so like Esau was very greedy, so it looks like much more fantastic as they, they're spread apart. He says, there's a side over here, and he introduces it, interestingly enough, this is again from the Gainim, in Lashon HaKadosh, he introduces it with the well-known concept that the Chachmei HaCheshbon know, that's math professors or philosophers or Pythagoras, he didn't make it up, it was known to Yaakov Inu. minyan mikra nikra minyan nehav is a, something a math called a minyan nav. What's minyan nav? Beloved numbers, amicable pairs. So I'm not sure going. And he said, what's well known to the people who are in the know, which is, we're letting out a lot of secrets tonight, but now it's going to be everybody here. And whoever else is going to hear it. He said, we all know that there's a pair. There's 220 and 284. And if you want to get in somebody's good favor, what you do is you have a total number of 220 plus 284, you divide them up, you keep one of them, let's call it the 284, there's a reason why that, we won't get into that now, and you give the person who doesn't like you too much, is coming to kill you maybe, and you give him the other set. And if you get him to take it, which he says explains why there's a whole masa mata, Asa says, my brother, I'm very wealthy, I don't need it, you can keep it, and it says, he says, no, he begged him to take it, you gotta take it. Why do you want to take it? So again, Pashtai's want to take it because if you take the bribe, then you got him. That's true, but there's something deeper. In order for this to work, amicable pairs are in the Bria, Hafaltik. Kashbaru built into the sciences, which we know, but here's an example. In math, we don't think there's anything built into math. Kabbalah, power, it's math. It's bad enough we gotta look at it when we're in grade school. Yaakovinu, this is part of the Messiah from Mother Mission. Yaakovinu didn't have to um, have any official schooling for this. Everybody knows that Nachshengen says that Yaakovinu is using amicable pairs to be able to, part of his established, to be able to get on Esau's good side. And therefore, he's going to use the old uh, trick which worked that he's going to get him to take 220 and he's going to hold the 284. I didn't prove to you yet where we get the, how do you know he's holding the 284? We'll get to that in a moment. It's all in the Pusik. 
And if Esau takes it, then we're good to go. Instead of coming to kill me, he's going to come over and give me a hug. Kavaldik. So Esau didn't want to take it. Yaakovino insisted. And he says, He says, this is true, tried and tested for the people who know how to do it. When you want to get into the king and you want to get on his good side. Please do not go to the White House tomorrow and try this. Um, but uh, it's, if you know what you're doing, uh, this is, Anashan said, Anashan Glenn says, this is uh, used on occasion. No, where do you see the number 284? So he says, that's pretty beferish later. When he asks you what's going on with these herds and these animals, he says, yeah, my, my, our master is coming. These are the shlichim the Yaakov sent. Ki amar ach pera ponov. Ach pera, so the word ach pera. Para is Bigamachia, 285. Ach is always a meat. Tract one, 284. Ach Panov, so I'm going to get in his good side. I'll hold the 284. He'll take the 220. And we're good to go with our Tfilas and Siata Deshmaya. Pretty amazing. I mentioned this uh, <laughs> to a couple of people. And they were listening carefully. And afterwards they said, Can we chazra over that? I want to learn how to do this. That's not the point here. <laughs> uh, what not, Rav Nachshengun goes on to say, by the way, is that he had other numbers of the flock as a decoy. Because Esau grew up in Yisrael home also, and he also learned in yeshiva. He also knew a thing or two. So he didn't want to show him. Before. So he had some other numbers in there so it wouldn't be so noticeable. And there's a pashat to the numbers as Rashi goes through. Besides being a fascinating insight into what Yaakovinu knew, because he had a Messiah from other region, and this came, this is like, he could shake this out of his sleeve. This is push it to him. What I think is important for us to focus on, which is a big part of the theme of Hanukkah, and it's often misunderstood, the draw and the danger of what happened pre-Hanukkah with the Mizyavnim was the fact that Jews, by definition, are pretty intellectual, and they have good taste, and they're into things that make sense and that are intelligent and art, things like that, we have, you know, if you're a thinking person and you, you understand what's going on in the world, L'chaira, this was the danger, in a way, more dangerous than Perm. There was no Yetzirah in Europe to blend in with the Cossacks. There was no interest in assimilating with the local peasants. It just wasn't. I just, you know, I think that we don't have to explain why. There just no, the, 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 the shikara guy next door, just like that didn't have any appeal, which is a great hedge against assimilation. Time of Hanukkah repeated itself a little bit during the Spanish uh, Tkufa, which we discussed a couple of months back, but Hanukkah, it was at its worst. There were Yidden in droves who, if you'd ask them, they'd say, we're Orthodox. We're just very into Greek culture because they have philosophy and they have mathematics and they have the sciences and it's brilliant, and why not? So indeed, why not? This is where it's often misunderstood. Remember, the whole Hanukkah was fought against the Mizyavnin. The Rashva had to make a harem in Spain against learning too much philosophy before a certain age, any philosophy, because it, you don't know what you're doing, it could be an allure, and then you're schlepped into what the Greeks do with all their knowledge and all their brilliance and all their intellectual pursuit. So we, the, we're in mixed company and there are people listening, but uh, all the um, all the sports and all the art and all the... It was used for pretzels. 
basically. It was used to worship the body. It was used for pretzes. And so all their chachman, all their brilliance, which was there, and all their science and all their math, it was used in their society to make people less in touch with God. Whatever they couldn't understand rationally, they didn't buy into. And the Yidden who started buying into some of their culture said, well, we're from and we're orthodox and we're... But we'll borrow some of it and it won't be such an allure and we'll be able to know where to stop it. Well, Yechideh school will know how the masses didn't and it became a huge problem that people were, well, they turned around, more Mezyavnim than Jewish. Which in our free society today is not, this lesson is not lost upon us. Today is not the allure of the sciences. Maybe that was the issue in the 60s when the people were into uh, evolution and this science and that science. Today, it's just like, where's my iPhone? And why is my iPad not picking up all the apps I just downloaded? And uh, you can't even get anybody's attention. But the culture is seeping in because of all these things. And here we have a situation where the defenders of this will say, well, do you agree that they have Chachma? Chachma begayim taimin. The answer is Absolutely. But all the natural sciences are in Torah. The guy knew them backwards and forwards, as did the Volnagain, as did Rav Nachshon Gain, as did Yaakov Inu, and many great tzaddikim in between. That's not a stira. You can't understand the sugi and sukkah without these Pythagorean theorems with the triangles. The, the natural science, math, the clear math, is not only important for many areas of Torah and kids of Chaydish, it even has deep sisre Kabbalah, which can be used to... Win over your friends and enemies. Keep your friends, win over your enemies. But unfortunately in Hanukkah, all that fell apart because they slept in with it the Olympics. And the Olympics, how do I say this delicately, uh, I guess they started in a hurry early in the morning and not everybody had a chance to get dressed right away. Is that a good way to put it? You know, you start the game at 7 in the morning. It's a rush. They got a Dab first, you know. Unfortunately, that was missing. It was a corrupt, evil, pretzestik derech that just sucked you in more, and it was all dressed up. And sure, just translate your Torah. We love your Torah. We're very intellectual. We'll take your book, you take our books, and we'll just blend it to one happy family. And that was the danger of Hanukkah. And many people fell in until the Chashmanaim literally and figuratively woke up and said, this is all wrong, and the emperor is not wearing any clothing. Excuse the pun. Uh, that was the problem. And like there were many Jews who said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "This is great. This fits right in with our Ashkafta. What's wrong? This is we're intellectual, the intellectual, math, sciences. And so we have no problem with natural sciences. Got to figure out what those are. But the danger is when you start schlepping along the culture. The famous Misa, I forget which uh, depraved philosopher, but uh, some Tamidim walked in one time and he was probably devouring a rabbit alive, like they caught Nebuchadnezzar doing." And they walked in, he's supposed to be a chacham teaching all sorts of uh, midus and ethics. And they walked in and said, Our master, like, uh, what's shot? And they didn't say it like that, they weren't so yeshivish. So I thought, what's going on over here? And he gave his classic answer. He says, If I was teaching you math, would I be a parallelogram? Because I'm teaching you that. That doesn't mean I live by this. That was Greek society. The parallelogram is too complicated. Use triangle in the story when you say it over. <laughs> Like, what does that have to do with me? It has nothing to do with the fact that we're smart and intellectual. It doesn't mean we're not uh, sinking to new lows. What's nothing to do with the other? And that's the danger of Hanukkah and, and our open and free society where 
facing similar Nisyan is not as intellectually bent, but similar. And that's important to keep in mind. The Muhammad was fought over this. You look at Alanisim, it doesn't talk about the Pachem, it doesn't but it talks about the Aiske Terror against the enemy. What does Aiske Terror do with anything? The answer is it was a religious battle, it had nothing to do with nationalism per se, and nothing to do with the fact that any knowledge they had was inherently evil. It was the fact that it was seeping in, it was being presented in an incorrect way. And that's uh, certainly something to uh, think about. Okay, I think uh, hopefully that'll last us until perm. Let's go to the Navi.